Hey guys, welcome to the Golf Podcast Live. I'm Raphael Calamat. I'm in San Antonio, Texas this week, and Michael, as usual, is out in Vancouver. Michael Bleakley over at ECS Agency. We're thrilled to bring you another episode. This is episode number 83, and boy, do we have a lot of topics and a great guest. Mr. Kevin Blue, Chief Sports Officer for Golf Canada. He's done such a fantastic job from the juniors all the way right up to the RBC Open. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great to great to chat. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for your time again, Kevin. As we are looking forward to unpacking some info, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came back to Canada in, uh, in your role at Golf Canada? Yeah, I grew up a uh, Toronto boy, uh, played junior golf, played, uh, represented Canada on the national team before going down to the, the States on a scholarship. Uh, spent 20 years down the States uh, after graduating from college, was did some grad school work um, and found my way into U.S. college sports on the business side and was mm-hmm. in US, U.S. college sports for, for a while. Um, my job before coming home was being uh, an athletic director at a division one school in California called UC Davis. And, uh, you know, I, it was time to come home. Uh, it was time to try something other than us college sports and, uh, being a golfer, being from, from Canada, obviously, and having the national team system and golf Canada play a big role in my life was, uh, was important. So came home in 2021 and happy to be home for sure. Well, welcome back. You know, every time I talk to someone in Canadian golf media, they're always saying, you know what, Kevin, you got to talk to him. He's doing such a great job. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk going around within the industry. So uh, congratulations on that. You know, my background's out from Montreal. I was an assistant professional for many years, worked at Royal Montreal Golf Club as an assistant. I think you have some roots down in Montreal. So is Mike. So is Mike. Yes. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the development of the junior program, because I'm really interested. Back in 2000, when I was part with Future Links at Dorval Golf Club and organized that with um, uh, Maurice Dagenet. He was the governor, one of the governors at the Royal Canadian Golf Association. We had 150 juniors show up and we were, we were blown away on the program and how it's grown since those days when that program was initiated. Tell me where you guys are in the junior programs. So, yeah, I mean, I think that junior golf is a huge focus of, of what we're doing at Golf Canada. It's the, a lot of people forget, a lot of Canadians forget, and certainly globally, it's maybe not recognized. Canada is the third largest market in the world for golf. I mean, we've the third most courses of any country behind the U.S. and Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Canada, golf is something that people tend to come to a little later in, uh, in life. And we, uh, just like everyone in the industry, are, are eagerly trying to attract more um, junior players to golf for participation reasons and also for player development reasons. So right now we we run three major programs in junior golf. The first is First Tee. A lot of people in the golf uh, business and industry are aware of First Tee. It started in the U.S. It's a way of introducing kids from all sorts of different backgrounds to the sport and teaching its inherent life lessons and character development. The second is Youth on Course. Uh, again, a lot of people in golf are aware of youth on course, but essentially it allows kids to play golf at uh, certain golf courses for $5 or less. The rounds are subsidized by donors and um, mm-hmm. but it's providing affordable access to, to kids to get them out on the golf course. 
And then our third broad-based program is the uh, Junior Skills Challenge, which is, you know, Canada's version of drive, chip, and putt. And uh, it serves to introduce young kids to maybe a competitive experience for the first time. So those three things are really at the core of our emphasis and participation in junior golf. And obviously we run, you know, national junior events and things at the competitive and elite level as well. But those three things are really what we're focused on for junior participation in this country. Wow, very Excellent. cool. How would a golf club get involved in the Junior Skills Challenge? Like, do clubs reach out to you or does Golf Canada contact uh, facilities? Yeah, clubs can can ping us directly or the Provincial Association and uh, run the local qualifier uh, for, um, for Junior Skills Challenge. And it's usually conducted by a PGA professional. And uh, the more, the better. And, you know, it's awesome to get some of the young kids that uh, maybe haven't had any kind of competitive experience, like a first exposure through junior skills challenge. Amazing. That's really great. You know, uh, golf Canada in the early two thousands had a program where they wanted to get 10 professionals inside the top 100 within 20 years, five players within 10 years. And it's so crazy how that's kind of arced over and developed with the amount of players that are going in because I was in the professional golf management program back then and we always they always talked about how many players they'd love to develop and get into the program does golf Canada have a goal set out to get players into all the way up to the PGA tour or is it uh, a broken down program right until they get into the colleges and universities that you know so well being an all-american a division one player you know i had no idea he was such a great player mike well, we're gonna have to get him out on the golf course <laughs> Raphael, a caveat is that i was an academic all-american not a not a real all-american so to speak so i i, I can get right. it around fine but it was really a combination of the school and the golf but the um look when you think about the development of elite players in Canada, uh, again, going back to the, the the basic reality that Canada, like golf is a huge, huge sport in our country. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Canadians may not fully appreciate how, how popular golf is on a relative basis in Canada compared to, uh, you know, compared to how it is in other countries. And I think years back when Stephen Ross um, first had the courage to really get the RCGA at the time involved in player development and pronounced that, Hey, like we have higher aspirations and we want to put, I think he said five in the top hundred in the men on the men's game. A lot of people kind of laughed at that. And they're like, Oh, that'll never happen. And of course, you know, over yeah. time it, it indeed happened. And um, so, you know, as we think about it, we've done some pretty extensive analytical work on the, uh, the number of golfers in, countries around the world that play golf, the rate at which golfers around the world are put onto the LPGA and PGA tour in, you know, on a per golfer basis, how efficient certain countries are, how inefficient certain countries are. And we think that over some time we can continue the upward trajectory of Canadian players at the highest level and uh, end up with 30, a total of 30 uh, men and women, um, you know, combined on the LPGA and PGA tour at, at a point, at a point in time in the future, if we continue the growth that we're seeing and um, you know, what the LPGA and PGA tour look like at that time is, a, is, I guess, a bit of a different question, but the, I think that it's, it's, uh, you know, obviously that's a pretty significant uh, challenge, but it shifts 
maybe like the Overton window of discussion a little bit to help people realize, hey, Canada is a major golfing country. Like we, mm. we have the third most number of golf courses in the world. We have the third most number of players in the world, not recreationally. Um, and as we continue to watch the performance, it's starting to get there, right? Like we had on the men's side this year on the PGA Tour, we had the second most winners of any country this season behind the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a bit of a reframing, I think, uh, as we sort of go forward, a cultural understanding that, hey, Canada is a major golfing country and has the potential to continue growing as far as high performance is concerned. And, you know, we're fortunate to have some supportive donors that believe in that uh, uh, as well. And, and, and we, are, uh, we are eager to see how far Canada can go in golf. Um, and that's, we're focused on that. Good. Uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, golf is such a passionate sport and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's great. You know, Canada is a, a home base for golf and golf Canada has done a great job on that. And one thing that's come up is the, the, uh, name image likeness, the nil uh, opportunities for amateurs and is golf Canada involved with that very much or, or, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? We, um, the rules of amateur status changed, as you all know, uh, to permit uh, name, image, and likeness compensation um, within the rules of amateur status. And uh, this is largely in response to the rule changes that occurred at the NCAA, right? So it's kind of like, if Mm -hmm. the NCAA is going to make it allowed, then the governing bodies ought to also consider making it allowed. And they did, and, and they have, and including us, um, you know, under the umbrella of the, of the RNA and in partnership with the USGA. And we, uh, yeah, we believe strongly in, in, in amateurs being able to monetize their name, image, and likeness. And, and a lot of our policies at the national team level uh, allow for that, uh, compensate players based, uh, you know, based on their visibility for certain NIL markers. And um, I think it's a great thing. I think that, you uh, mm-hmm the differentiator between amateur and pro uh it continues to sort of get narrower and narrower basically the only two things you can't do uh is accept more than twelve hundred dollars canadians for playing golf and teach golf the only two things you can't do everything else you can do and um you know we think that that's modern and progressive and appropriate i i agree 100 percent. you know as well as when we were growing up how difficult it was to get out on the golf course how expensive it could get, you know, outside we're a hockey country. So hockey is super expensive, but golf is as well. And so having that sponsorship opportunity, it's incredible. You're looking at Connors, Hughes, Svensson, and what happened with Nick Taylor. We're going to see another uptick, I think, in Canada with, you know, young boys and girls looking up to Brooke Henderson and Nick Taylor. And it's really fantastic to see the opportunity, not only the, the opportunity to play a golf course for free or for a low price, but certainly having a sponsorship uh, opportunity. Um, yeah, and co- college golf has completely changed. I mean, the money they're being offered uh, is, is great. Well, amateur golf, uh, competitive golf is expensive. So especially if you want to travel to provincial or national events, you got to pay for it yourself. And, you know, and I, I've... Uh, you know, toughed it out in the trenches in the Vancouver golf tour for years yeah. and it, it adds up. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a little nil money coming in to offset my golf, my golf addiction. So yeah, one of, <laughs> while one working thing, full time, right? <laughs> yeah. One of the things we're aware of that too. Right. And we, we understand and appreciate the financial cost of 
the competitive side of it. And one of the things that we introduced a few years back and are accelerating now is a financial aid uh, program for contestants in the Canadian junior uh, boys and Canadian junior girls, for example, on a need basis, right? So mm-hmm. if family, families can demonstrate financial need, we have grants available, um, you know, and a lot of that's funded by generous donors uh, who are who are supportive of the idea that finances, you know, golf is expensive to play competitively and finances ought not to limit people from coming to play in their national junior championship uh, or in the all abilities championship, for example. So yeah, we're, we're sensitive to that. Like we, we hope a lot of what we do is, is advocate for, um, you know, reasonably affordable access for competitive players and all juniors, frankly, at, at golf courses. And uh, hopefully we can continue to help um, address some of those challenges without being naive to the reality that look, it is an expensive proposition to play golf at a internationally competitive level as a junior, just the same as it is for many sports. So we're, we're very focused on it. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Travel, shelter, equipment, uh, not only that, but the training and the playability of going out to golf courses, all of those elements really add up fairly quickly. So it's great to hear about that. Now, Golf Canada has gone through some changes uh, over the years. Uh, Certainly location-wise, are you guys staying in Oakville? Are you moving to uh, TPC over uh, Toronto? Um, Because there was the whole uh, part of the golf course maybe even shutting down. But now it's, I believe it's staying, right? Yeah, for the time being, Glen Abbey uh, uh, has been deemed a historic site uh, and is... Um, is staying a golf course so people will be able to reenact the tiger bunker shot uh, and, and all those fun things that we, we all have you know cherished memories of um, as far as our, our our organization is concerned you know we uh, are in the process now of um, you know finalizing uh, a move up to TBC Toronto in, in Caledon uh, still a few years out from actually physically moving but uh, the you know we've we've developed a nice partnership uh, with TBC Toronto and Chris Humanek and uh, we we hope that that can become somewhat of a you know a home for uh, Canadian golf and and a facility that's really a facility and a, a you know and a and a headquarters that's really dedicated to uh, advancing the sport for all Canadians who participate in golf. So we're still a few years out, but that's uh, you know that's kind of what the future holds for us. Well, I, I wanted to also get your thoughts on what's happening in the news. Uh, you don't necessarily have to uh, mention anything, but certainly, you know, the ball rollback. I personally love it. should have happened 20 years ago. However, you know, is that going to impact college and university golf? How is it going to impact the, the, uh, the average player uh, who goes out on the golf course? There's mixed feelings about this. Uh, the popular vote is not yeah. to change the ball. Uh, I think because Raph and I are late. dead, we are in disagreement <laughs> about this entirely. So I'd love to hear if, uh, what Golf Canada and your thoughts are on this. Yeah, people love talking about it. I mean, Golf Canada's point of view on it is we, as with all matters of the rules of golf, we fall under the umbrella of the RNA and operate in close partnership with the USGA. So we follow we follow their lead on both of those things. What you know, what I would say is that I think that. Um, this is obviously a topic that people are passionate about. I think that 
the USGA and the RNA were very thorough in their research and their studying of the issue. Uh, you know, I think that they they engaged in a very consultative process. And I'm, you know, if people read the the Distance Insights uh, documents, they would realize that, right? They've studied the issue from every single aspect and every single angle um, that they that they could. Uh, I think that there's there's obviously uh, I think general agreement that at the in the men's professional game some correction of the uh, of hitting distance would be helpful in the sense that it reduces sort of overall golf course sizes that's required to host competitive events and there's a few sort of offshoots of that I know maybe a, a minority of folks might think that hey hitting it far is fun and let's just let let's let these guys hit it as far as they can but I think a lot of the the discussion has been should it have should it affect the recreational player or not and um you know i guess we'll see in the end by the time that this takes effect in 2028 for the pros and 2030 for recreational players whether the ball manufacturers in fact have been able to innovate such that the impact on the recreational player which is already pretty small get dissipates even further so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out um but certainly i think that you know, when it's a yard per year, which is what clearly the data has shown, do you think 40, 30, 30 years down the road from now, um, that does create some challenges that maybe don't exist today, but, you know, you have to give credit to the, the USGA and the RNA for trying to anticipate and get ahead of those things, which is sometimes not popular, right? But um, mm. we'll see how it all turns out. My worry at the moment, I mean, I, I think obviously, admittedly, it's slight selfish because I struggle for distance turning 50. Uh, so taking five yards away from me, it's like, hey, that's a little rich, you know, <laughs> like uh, I need that five yards. But um, it, it, right now, golf is incredibly popular and you, this rollback news and then this disruption in the pro men's pro level with live and PGA and, and all that, I, my fear is that we we impede the popularity of golf right now because you know we we're uh, there was a bit of a lull over the last decade you know 12 15 years in the growth of golf and uh, I, I'm, my fear is that we damage that and I don't want to um, you know uh, see a decrease in in players joining the game I, I want to see it grow yeah Mike Mike doesn't want to move up a tee box so see this is the problem <laughs> <laughs> I try it's, it's okay. I try to get you know, I, I really I, I keep Go ahead. I just really feel like it brings back all the old golf courses. It sets things up a little bit differently uh, for the players. And, um, you know, for the long golf courses that have been designed, they can move forward. And we're going to see that creep anyhow with the club technology and the ball's going to evolve. It's not going to be the exact same ball. I think it's going to be a work in progress, even though it's only coming into effect in four to five years. But uh, I just wanted to pivot before we let you go. Uh, RBC Canadian Open, Hamilton Golf and Country Club. Uh, that's going to be amazing. Of course, last year, you know, I don't know if we could top that with, with Nick playing and uh, dropping that 72-foot putt. And what an experience that was. Tell us about maybe future venues, anything in the horizon. And is RBC staying on board? Well, a couple, a couple things about... Uh... Happy to talk about all that, but before I, I wanted to just mention like a, a fun story about Nick winning last year. And people have people have said, Oh, how are you gonna top that? How are you gonna top that? And um that's you know, 
it's possible that one of the other guys or Nick wins again this year. And, right. yeah. uh, and I think we should be thinking about that. And it's, I was at the Canadian am in 2022. Um, I actually played the first for my first time in 15 years. I played the Canadian, am. but 2022, it was at point gray. Yeah. And point gray as as you guys may know, had the infamy, I guess, of being the site of when Pat Fletcher won the Canadian yep. Open in 1954. So they had this, they've got this plaque on the side of the pro shop outside that has Pat Fletcher's face on it. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. last Canadian to win the Canadian Open and, you know, which is, I guess, like a point of pride in the history of the club. But I, I saw the sign and I went over to uh, the the head pro at the time and said you know what we're going to try to do is get that get that plaque taken down uh, as soon as we can here uh, by having another Canadian winner and sure enough Nick uh, you know Nick wins and then last August I'm out there at Shaughnessy for the CPKC Women's Open uh, which was you know in you know late in August and the Monday qualifier was held at Point Grey so I go down to the pro shop and I'm uh, trying to see if this plaque is still up and they hadn't gotten around to taking it down yet. <laughs> yeah. have a chat, uh, saying, Hey guys, like, you know, we got rid of that one. So we're going to have to, we're gonna have to take that down. That's a nice souvenir that, that, that somebody can. Yeah. Have. Uh, but anyway, as far as, you know, the, the RBC Canadian open for, for next year, um, new Hamilton as, as we sometimes call it, like it's been right. since like there's gone undergone some nice renovation. It's, it's really hard and really good. Um, it's yeah. uh, the green complexes have been redone. The bunkering has been redone. Um, they've added some tees in certain spots. Uh, it's a pretty big ballpark now. Um, I think that uh, as far as a footprint it is concerned, it's, it's a large footprint to run a major event. Uh, you know, with Rory coming back again, uh, that will be very exciting. Obviously Nick defending his title. Yep. And, you know, we're hoping and expecting the Canadian guys to be in the mix again. Um, it's, there's there's going to be at least eight of them out there that are, you know, full-time BG Tour members and several more that will either qualify or sort of become part of the tournament through the exemption process. And so we're excited about that and excited about, um, you know, the opportunity again. I think last year was special and it was, you know, it was mm-hmm. cool to be a part of, but th- th- we don't have to wait. 61 years or whatever it was or yeah, that's right years. I don't even <laughs> yeah. know we don't need to wait that long let's just do it you know, again and yeah, the, the, the guys are getting so good and you got players we had uh, jared detois on uh, a couple of months ago right mike maybe it's been a year already uh, about flies. a year ago yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's been playing so well you know and uh he qualified i believe at the u.s open last year and then he's he's won recently out in asia and he's uh, he was in the final qualifier but he, he's doing really well uh, so it's great. It's always great to see all those Canadians, even though they don't make the uh, the cut. It's giving the opportunity for Canadians and fans to get to know these players, walk around the venue, looking around at the timesheets and uh, learning about Canadian golf. Uh, the setup is always so great and grand now with the concert series. Um, again, any uh, future venues or anything different being done at the Open uh, for next year? Um we will be uh, so the one one sort of new fun wrinkle is um, in 2023 this summer we started a nationwide golf league called the National Golf League um, that our friends at at BDO have have sponsored 
and the national championship. This is like nine hole recreational, like, you know, once a week golf league type. Okay. Participation yeah. for, for recreational mm -hmm. golfers. And then we had a playoff, um, sort of regional playoffs conducted in each province in the fall. And, uh, you know, a total of like just over 10,000 participants, you know, played this year. And it's wow. narrowed down to to a uh, hundred people, fifty two person teams, men, women, mixed teams that are going to be competing at the National Golf League uh, National Championship on the Saturday prior to the RBC Canadian Open starting. So that'll be a cool little wow. wrinkle, cool little addition uh, that you know we've got. Like now, you know, as you guys know, league golf is a huge way that Canadian golfers engage in the game, whether it's you know, your weekly women's league or your weekly men's league. And for us to now be able to run what is in effect the national championship recreational handicapped competition uh, and, you know, two person teams for us to run a national championship at the RBC Canadian Open is going to be super cool. So that's, that's a new thing yeah. that, that we'll be, uh, you know, we'll be able to publicize that a little bit more here in the next little while, but that'll be a cool thing Good. for everybody to experience. Uh, I'll be watching and, for it. Like, yeah. I'll be getting and, a team ready for that. Sounds great. Yeah, as far as future venues are concerned, you know, we've got a few things in the works here that uh, hopefully, um, you know, we can get to the finish line and there should be some more news about that uh, in the next little while, but uh, still still working through some some details. Um, there are uh, a number of really fantastic host venues in, in Canada, as you know, and, um, you know, we we got to go east, but I don't know if it's possible. Yeah. You know, well, we've well, talked about it for years. There's some there's some. That's considerations of date right like the the date this year is um you know we took the the week of the memorial uh, like uh -huh. jack's tournament and it's flip-flop so the final um putt will go in on sunday june 2nd uh 2024 um uh -huh. so you have the last you know some chunk of the event will happen in the early week part will happen in, in the month of may and um so that that is has to be taken into consideration uh -huh. when thinking about venue um yeah. So there's there's a whole bunch of those things that are are you know that are uh, on our radar obviously, but um, you know the juice in the event from 2019 when it was last uh, at Hamilton and the Raptors were in the finals and Rory was you know winning. I think you'll you'll see a sort of a, a hopefully an updated version of that with uh, with Rory back and Nick defending and some of the. So we're looking forward to forward to that this year. Um, you know it should be a great spring hopefully. Right uh, a few years ago, I played an event with Bob Weeks, and we got into chatting, uh, you know, about locations for for the RBC and being, you know, a West Coast guy. It's like, when's it coming back here, Bob? And, and he he told me that uh, you know RBC doesn't want it out in the West Coast, and, and basically Golf Canada loses money every time it comes out here uh, to the West Coast uh, for you know myriad of reasons. So you know, uh, do you ever see us? Uh, entertaining uh, the the open again uh, out this way. I mean, I would never say never to anything, Mike. Like I yeah. think uh, I think you know everything is is certainly up for discussion as as far as or up for consideration, I should say. And and we really mm -hmm. try to think about the venue uh, picture as best we can. I think there's certain realities of location as it relates to the schedule of the other events that are around the RBC Canadian Open. Um, you know this this in the in the re, in recent years it's been up against like the u.s open the following week and so mm -hmm. there's there's those considerations there are considerations of market um 
you know, and, and it's funny, it's, uh, you mentioned like losing money, the, the tournament, a lot of people may be under the impression that golf Canada makes a bunch of net income on the, on the RBC Canadian open. That's just not the case, right? It's just not, Mm -hmm. we run the event. We, um, uh, we don't run the event to generate massive profits. Like we're running the event because it's an important part of the fabric of golf in this country, as is the CPKC women's open. Uh, there are a number of uh, important benefits that the event, um, the both the men's and women's Canadian opens bring to the table for golf in our country. And uh, that's just the economics don't lend itself um, in either of those events to be making money hand over fist. There's, there's many situations where the host venue uh, does substantially better financially than golf Canada, in fact. And um, so I think that's a, that's an interesting point that hopefully people increasingly in the Canadian golfing public can understand like golf Canada is a, uh, we run on the professional championship side, two very successful commercial properties and in those events that are high visibility for partners, sponsors, et cetera. But in the end, we're a national sports organization, a nonprofit national sports organization that exists to, for, you know, to execute the mission of increasing participation and excellence in, in Canadian golf. We are not a corporation trying to make a bunch of net income. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the professional tournaments reflect that. Like we're, we're, we're certainly being responsible and fiscally prudent as far as how we operate those events. But this is not a situation where we're making massive, massive, massive margins. Yeah, I got a question sense. for you as far as golf. I know you're a player. Uh, do you have a favorite Canadian golf course? Do you have a place where you'd like to say, you know, that's the course I love to play or, or maybe you got a bucket list uh, golf course that you haven't played, you know a lot about. Well, I think for many of us, our favorite course is uh, our favorite course or courses is tied to the experience that we have on them. I'm fortunate to have, you know, through, through my job and some other sort of playing experiences have been very fortunate as far as the opportunities that I've had to play across Canada. But I would say, I would answer the question by saying, look, I I really got started um, and first exposed to the game in a meaningful way at Don Valley in, uh, in North Toronto there. And I think that the I, fact that those I lived near there. Yeah, those those municipal courses that 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 are in the city of Toronto, uh, providing you know opportunities for people to play in, at relatively convenient locations, and providing access to juniors. I think that's a special thing, and I think that oftentimes, of course, people love playing you know fancy, prestigious, beautiful courses. I I do too. But as far as meaningfulness to the game, you know, municipal courses across Canada, I think are spe- they hold a special place in my heart, Don Valley specifically, and out in Vancouver, you know, like Stanley Park Pinch and Putt, man, that place is. I can't believe you said you. that. That's where we have our. That's where we have our shootout cup for the cast. We always go because Mike and I go back 20, 30 years playing there, and that yeah. holds a special place yeah. for us personally. We did that. This, so, yeah. we, we were out there. Like I said, we were out there for the women's uh, tour event. And, um, you know, it's, these are busy, long days. And one of the days, it was early in the week. We, you know, we, none of us had our clubs. So we just grabbed Katie Cranston's uh, gap wedge and putter. And we, the four of us, Katie's instructor and a few of the other staff just shared her wedge and putter. And we went around Stanley Park pitch and putt 
you know, at night. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's what the game's all about, really. Like, of course, you know, we get consumed with the sort of high performance side of it, trying to win uh, and, 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 and achieve and put people on the tours. And that's, that's great. And of course, people love playing beautiful, um, prestigious courses that the many of them that we have in Canada, but at, at its heart, what we're trying to do is help people realize like, Hey, this game is for experiences like at Stanley park pitch, but where you can ride your bike up there with your gym shorts on and, uh, you know, one club and one ball. And some people might go across the street to the brewery and grab a beer and go out there, uh, yeah. and get that's around. Right. Like, that's, 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 that's what, that's fun. And that's, you know, we, we want Canadian public at large to understand that that's, that is what golf is all about, right? It's fun. And, mm-hmm people can do it. It's accessible. And that's where the affordability thing with golf, I think is a, a slight misnomer because it, it, yes. it, there is plenty of golf courses that are very inexpensive, uh, you know, like Stanley park or some of the, the shorter executive courses where you can pay 25 bucks or 30 bucks and be entertained for four hours and, and just go and play golf. Cause when it comes down to it, and if you got a really good crew and you're competitive, you can have just as much fun at Stanley Park as you could at, at uh, you know, at the National or the Devil's Pulpit, uh, right? So, um, yeah, the, the, the golf is doesn't have to be expensive. There's lots of used clubs uh, or, you know, there's ways to get into the game that, that are uh, attainable for most. Yeah, I, I think that's key. And I think the way that we, we as people in the golf industry have to do uh, we have to continue to be consistent in making sure the Canadian public increasingly understands that message. The, there is a, for, for good reason, frankly, justifiably, there's some pre-existing notions that people have about the sport, right? Like it didn't always used to be, um, it, it certainly wasn't sufficiently uh, inclusive at one time, our sport, and in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly wasn't, uh, accessibility from an economic standpoint is not something that people prioritized at one time. Uh, and now, now we do. So it's our responsibility to make sure that like people, like we've got to tell that story more effectively. We've got to provide better examples. Um, so that the general public, I think golfers get it right. I think the general public probably doesn't get it uh, as, mm-hmm. as broadly. And, you know, so that's, we, we need to keep working on that. And, um, Hopefully, uh, you know, you'll see increasingly government officials and sort of the public at large have a more nuanced understanding of, of golf and what it is. Just like a great comparison that I've heard others use is like a restaurant, like there's expensive restaurants and then there's accessible mm-hmm. restaurants. It's not any different in our sport. Yeah. No, exactly. Well, with the uptick that we've had uh, through COVID, I think that the growth of the game is, is tremendous. Uh, as a golf instructor for over the last 25 years, I, I've seen the growth. You know, first it happened with Tiger, then it happened with COVID. And uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Kevin Boo, Chief Sports Officer over at uh, Golf Canada. And thanks for doing such a great job helping to grow the game. I want you to enjoy uh, your family and the holidays. Uh, wishing the whole staff at Golf Canada all the best, as well as, uh, you know, probably going to catch a little bit of PNC, Mike, you know, we'll watch C Tiger and oh, Charlie play absolutely. and all, all the legends of the game playing with their, uh, with their kids and, uh, and family members. It'll be interesting. There's, to there's see. one, definitely. And there's one thing that you're doing with golf Canada lately is the hashtag my golf year. 
And I think that's a lot of fun because uh, everyone's sharing their little uh, uh, image of their best score and their rounds played and their percentage, their ranking percentage in the country. And uh, I think that's a really fun thing uh, that um, you're all doing. I'm not sure if you're working on that directly, Kevin, but uh, you know that type of stuff, I think it's really engaging. For, for the golf community to, to share and, and, and utilize social media to have some fun. Yeah, our marketing team's awesome. And and we're glad that you all love that and uh, agree that it's something people are proud of. And, you know, it shows you the different ways that people can engage in the game, whether their best round of the year is 63 or 103. Uh, so we're, mm-hmm. people are leaning into that. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Um, we'd love to play golf with you. Uh, you know, I'll be out in Toronto at some point, so uh, maybe we'll drop you a line and see if uh, see if your schedule permits and if you want to go hack it out with us. Would love to. I, uh, I'll be out in Van. Well, certainly I'll be at the Women's Am at Royal Colwood on the island there. And then um, nice. here I'll be in Van for something. I, 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 as you guys can imagine, I get around a reasonable amount to uh yeah. especially in the summertime to a lot of our events and uh so it'd be great to cross paths great to tee it up do it appreciate uh, I, appreciate you guys having me on i play out at mayfair so you got a standing round there just let me know uh and uh, i'll set it up awesome and, and i'm in oakville Excellent. easy to get in touch with me all right <laughs> take it easy all right <laughs> guys okay cheers thanks a lot kevin you have a great uh, christmas and holiday season likewise thank you take care thanks for watching guys